My name is Jeffrey Fitzgerald, and I am the president and executive producer of Fire Media TV, Fire Media Strategic Vision. So what inspired you to uh, become a volunteer firefighter? That is an awesome question, Mike. Um, I'm a 31-year diabetic uh, as of these days. And there was a time where the first uh, eight years I was uh, type two. And all of a sudden they go, hey, you're type one, you need to go on insulin. And for anybody who's ever taken insulin, you know that it's an up and down roller coaster. It can affect you in pretty significant ways with either too little or too much and things. And uh, in uh, 1999, I think it was, I was in an ambulance seven times uh, because I would take my insulin. Then I'd decide to paint the top bay of our townhouse or something, you know, and I would either get dehydrated or, or have an insulin reaction and things like this. And I was so thankful and still am as thankful today as I was then for the people who would give their time uh, and come out after being prepared on their own dime and everything to take care of me. And I wanted to give back. And so what did I do? I didn't join the rescue squad. I joined the fire department because I didn't know that they were disconnected. You know, here I am, I'm, I'm, you know, a naive to the whole process. And I wanted to give back uh, in, in that way. And I joined the, the fire department as a non-operational, not a first responder, but as a non-operational support member. Yeah. And you're also, you know, a media professional. How is it, you know, combining both those worlds? For me, it's been pretty amazing because I've developed a real passion in the last, you know, seven, eight years uh, with the fire rescue world. And some of it comes from the fact that that was in, uh, you know, I joined in, in 2001. And uh, over the years, I began to see the stations, uh, how they interact, their internal culture, how they do a lot of cool stuff and, and some of the challenges that they've got. And what I was doing at that time was I joined because of the media and marketing skills I've got. I wanted to put a spotlight on the men and women who actually run to the gas leak instead of running away from it like all the rest of us do, right? And that's that's really what it was, is that the, the media was the mechanism and tool and the gifting to be able to do more uh, to serve the first responder community. So how does it feel for you for, you know, being there for your community members? Well, you know, I think that any person who joins uh, the volunteer system, even if you're vocational and you're serving and you're being paid for it, these are great things and these are great, great people. And it's really interesting. You know, it's, I say this a lot of times to people uh, when we talk about what does it feel like, you know, all of us are looking for purpose, identity, security, and acceptance. And we will tell people all day long, I don't have time to join the volunteer fire service or the rescue squad. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. And yet, what do we do? We work a job we don't like. We, we work for people that we, we have a hard time seeing our greater purpose in. And we go to bed at night. And for the last hour of the night, we're laying on our pillow with our eyes wide open at two in the morning going, what am I doing with my life? I don't feel like I have greater purpose, greater meaning. And the reality is a lot of these things don't happen until we do the hard thing, whatever that is. It's not an easy thing or everybody would feel like they're already where that is, right? I've got my purpose. I got my significance. And so we, we think of not having the time for it, but when you make time for it, it's absolutely unbelievable what it will do for you, not only what it will do for the, the community around you. And for me, that's a big part of it is knowing that, that just like I was helped and have been helped since then, 
that there are people every single day who in their worst moment of need, and remember, people driving along the roadway never expect, hey, uh, you know, here in an hour, um, Bob, I can't talk to you. I'm going to be in a helicopter flying to the trauma center. doesn't work that way. But there are people who are giving of themselves wholeheartedly to make make the case that that you can survive that and so for me that that's everything you know i think that's the the biggest message there is that it's not about us it's about each other but with that uh as a volunteer firefighter and people you talk to i mean you're dealing with some challenging uh situations how is it to make sure you know you take care of your mental health as well well, again, I just want to make the case that I am not a volunteer firefighter. I'm in the volunteer fire service, but right. I've been on hundreds of fire grounds uh, with the crews. I've ridden fire trucks from in different states all over the place, been in hundreds of fire stations. Um, but I'll tell you what I have seen with first responder mental health. You know, I'm not a licensed clinical uh, counselor or psychologist, but if I had not gone into media, I definitely would have gone to the counseling. It's a passion of mine. Because I think that we have to take care of ourselves. I know with my own chronic illness, the diabetes yeah. has has beat me up night and day. You know, you've got one ear listening in a meeting and the other ear you're thinking, am I okay? And I've seen the same exact things happen in the first responder community with, with the, the men and women who really see on a weekly basis or a monthly basis what you or I might see one time in our life. And we won't see it nearly as graphic and portrayed and with the emotion and with the immediacy and the urgency that they do. And so you can imagine what it's like, whether you're in law enforcement or whether you are uh, a firefighter, whether you're an, uh, an EMT or a medic uh, or a 911 operator, um, all of these components build over time. You know, these these tragedies, the, these incidents, these things that happen don't leave us. I mean, you know, like I said, I've never been a firefighter, but I know that I, I've been in three different times where I actually was in the middle of accidents helping people. Uh, one of them was 22, 25 years ago. And I can tell you the buttons on the shirt of that person. I could see their eyes still starburst where they had hit the windshield and it was on 495, you know, the major highway around here. It wasn't a little nice, neat little accident. And so I remember that. And and I know from what I've, I've seen uh, in some of the, the trauma conferences I've, I've been part of, other uh, situations, working with some of the people on, on scenes with the medevac, these things don't leave, right? But the difference is healthy mental health is where we don't go, hey, I'm good. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I've got it. That's the worst thing we can do because isolation is the darkness that will envelop you and you won't even realize it. It's almost like a python that, you know, that, that can squeeze and squeeze and squeeze or a boa constrictor, I should say. And we don't even realize it and we think we're healthy. And then at some point what happens is we get to a place where the pain that we're in, and we sometimes maybe not even recognize that pain, but we get into this place where we begin thinking, hey, I'm okay, but our world has been has been narrowed. Our, our vision has been narrowed because of what it's doing and how it's affecting us. And then what it does is it starts to bleed on other people who didn't cut us. And it's one of these things where the, the healthiest thing someone can do is always remember, if you're in a situation of immediate trauma, if you're not sure uh, that you're you're in a situation where you're safe mentally, especially if you feel like there's the potential for suicide, if you're thinking about it, if you have ideation about it, Mike, that's the biggest thing in the fire system that I've seen. I think for me, this is all perspective with me. I'm not speaking like this is fact, but my perspective is that what I've seen is so many people are afraid that if I raise my hand and go, I've, I've been down about this a lot. I haven't been able to overcome it my, myself. How do I do this? 
or I need you, right? I mean, in in, in our world, the the you know our guys and gals go out on a fire ground, and it doesn't matter what that is. You can go out on any situation, unpredictable or not, and they will have a plan for it because they they know how to do it. They've worked together. They don't question each other, and they get it done. But back inside the stations, back inside the law enforcement uh, station or firehouse, whatever it might be, um, we don't do that. We're like, if three guys are standing over there and we're like, man, I need to talk to somebody, you know, oh, really? You need to talk? You, you, you're going down, aren't you, bud? You're not going to have this job in a year. Wait till the, the HR hears about this. And what we do is we end up shrinking into a place where we're literally trapped and we know we're trapped. Everybody knows when they're in trouble mentally, right? I mean, unless it's literally mental illness to the point of delusion and crazy and things right, like right. that. But, but what happens here? We begin to think there's no hope. There's the, who am I going to reach out to? Right. And we begin to, we begin to start living life like this. And that's why relationships, even in, in the firehouse get to be really challenged because so many people are working through things that they, they haven't worked through. And I think, I think that the most healthy thing a person can do is to be strong in their weakness. I love this phrase, this passage that says that when I am weak, you are strong, right? And so what do we do with that? You know, it means we go into a place where being vulnerable is okay, right? If we're really tough and courageous, being tough and courageous means you're that all the time, right? So what do we do? We, we, we admit that there's an issue there and it can be a one trusted friend. And at times it definitely should be somebody professional, but these are not bad things. And I, the thing I love about what I'm seeing in the last year or two is I believe mental health and wellness has really come to the forefront. While many people have not embraced it the way I think they, they need to, we're seeing the talk about it and it's becoming okay to say, wow, man, okay, I'm dealing with stuff. And so for, you know, I guess the question about mental mental wellness, that's really, I think, the, the biggest takeaway is that there is definitely uh, issues with incidents and memories and how do we deal with these things. And um, and they, they need to be worked through. And it's not something you can do, you know, over a beer with a bud. I mean, talking is great. And sometimes that's that's a great outlet. But sometimes you're going to need that professional help. And there's not a thing wrong with it. And I full well admit, I was... Uh, in counseling for a year in 2000, late 2001, the same year I joined the fire department. I uh, collapsed in my office into my chair coming in from work because I was on an insulin that got extremely powerful eight hours after I took it. Took it the night before. In the morning, I'm like, hey, I want to exercise. I don't do that a lot, right? Get on a treadmill, and I ran myself in the ground, and I was crashing really hard, and it was one of the times I was in an ambulance. Um, but I knew that if if I didn't get somebody to help me with this, then I'm bearing all of that weight on myself in addition to chronic illness. You can't bear the weight all yourself if you're a person, whether you're a, a first responder or a support person in the fire station, if you're doing it all by yourself. It's never going to work out good in the end, and, and we all know that. So when I was uh, researching you, I was watching some stuff from your new project, the, these training videos. Can you tell me about this? Yeah, this is a, a training series that I'm working on that is currently in early development. And I'm at the place where I've produced a preview of what I want to do. And it is really a conversation that I don't think it has really been done in the way that I'm doing it to date. There's been uh, many, many great training series and products that have come out from a variety of wonderful people in, in the fire service. What I want to do with this particular series is it touches on recruiting and retention, which are the two gigantic problems we have in the fire service. 
But from what you've heard already with me today, I think you can tell, I think there are reasons why these things are happening up front of that. And it's it's really lost vision and identity. It is um, toxic internal culture. It's casual recruiting. It's impersonal retention. And there's something I call lottery leadership. And then you've got unresolved trauma. And the last one is what I call diversity adversity. And, and the, the whole goal here is not just to create a set of videos because I'm just like you. I don't believe watching a video in and of itself is going to change anything. But what will change something is that if your firehouse is in a place where it is about to close or you don't even know if it's about to close because you're not paying attention, you're going through what I call the Titanic tilt. You're moving into an area where everybody is on the deck blaming each other, pointing, you're the problem, you're the problem. Hey, no, not me. No, who? Lottery leadership. Let's pick somebody because they're available, not because they're the best suited for the job. Have we grown any leaders uh, at this point? No, we haven't, right? But everybody's in a circle and they're paying attention to each other. Meanwhile, your boat is heading right toward an iceberg and nobody's watching what's going on. And in this moment, there are a thousand external threats going on that could take any volunteer station down. Funding is a major one. Getting the volunteers we talk about. I completely believe the volunteers still out there, but what's really missing is the vision and message of today's fire service. We're very bad at communicating the value and the need and advocating as a station and as a volunteer community about our need to be funded from higher levels of government and private public uh, public private partnerships and things like that. And so this training series, I'm really really trying to speak soberly. There's no judgment. I, I you know I introduce myself as saying, hey, who am I? I'm a nobody in the grand scheme of things. In 2016, at the end of 2016, I'd been in a, my second fire station. I'd moved uh, farther west. And that night, the only thing on the agenda was to close the firehouse as a volunteer station after 78 years. Um, we had gone through incredible turmoil. The, the numbers had dwindled down to 15, maybe 18 people. And everybody was absolutely worn out. They were at each other's throat. The heels were dug in the ground. Lines were drawn in the sand so much you could play tic-tac-toe with it. And it was a situation where the only thing left was we got to close. And I believe I was in leadership at that point. I can't remember if I was vice president or one of the other positions, but I was asked to take on the role as president. And here I am. I'm, I've never been a first responder, non-operational, felt completely unprepared with this idea. I'm like, who am I to be doing this? But I can tell you, Mike, I felt in that moment very clearly that the issues that I was seeing had nothing to do with what everybody thought it was, right. akin to something that you see in fire school. In fire school, you're taught when you see a you know you see a fire and you see all the big smoke, you don't spray at the smoke because that's the thing gigantic. Everybody thinks that's the problem. The fire is where you got to really look look at, and that's what you got to attack and take care of on the offense. And that's how I felt. I felt like the problems that we're seeing up here with all the toxic internal culture, the infighting, the generational divide. All of these kind of things really weren't the main issue. They were contributors to a deeper issue. And it really came, again, back to feeling recognized, feeling valuable, having people understand uh, you know, each other. And we can agree to disagree sometimes because none of us agree at 100%. Right. And so for me, you know, this was a situation where I thought about it and I really felt in my, my spirit that I was called to speak life over this. And you know, I'm like, oh, I don't really even know what that means in some ways. But I said, gang, I said, here's the thing. If we do this, this is monumental. We have maybe six or seven people that are actually active out of those 18 because every station knows you've got a number of people you stays on your list and then you've got this many that are actually contributing. And 
It was amazing and amazingly terrifying and amazingly difficult, amazingly challenging uh, what I went through the first year, but it worked. Uh, I, I really worked hard for people to know that I didn't have an agenda, that I cared about every single person, whether you were 75 years old or you were you know, 18 years old, and that, that there was no reason for us to have some idea that, that we own the fire station. Nobody owns the fire station. We're there as stewards, right? And, and so through a mix of really hardcore marketing uh, with a, a Heroes Wanted uh, dot today web uh, site that I had up, uh, we put signs all over the community and I, I built a marketing funnel. I was starting to do Facebook Lives. We were coming alive on our social media. But the biggest thing I did, Mike, was to preach vision because vision is lost from top of our society down to the bottom. You look at everything from the war in Ukraine, uh, the climate change, all these things, the political unrest. Our government doesn't even know how to behave like third graders, right? And so from top down, how are we treating each other? Well, these reverberations, especially with COVID-19 compressing all of that, now you got all the way down. And this is what we see coming out. This is why we're seeing so much more uh, outburst of anger and expressions that we've never seen before in our, our world. And so, again, I believe the fire play, the firehouse should be a place of peace. And I just listened to people sometimes for an hour, and they would say so many things about someone else. And sometimes it wasn't being mean. They were right about some of this. And I'm like, you are absolutely right. But what are we going to do to work with them? Because if we're all not looking toward the front where that iceberg is, every one of us are going to go under and and so these are the things, Mike, that that I, I used. I used four things at that time. I've expanded it with my new uh, my new Fire Media, which is my brand here, uh, to seven. But um, I, I, I had questions on a challenge coin. What will be your vision for this place? In other words, you have buy-in on this. You're important. You have value. What what, what does that look like? Um, what will be your role? What will be your impact? We're going to measure your impact. And the best one of all is. What will be your story? Because your story is like a credit report in the firehouse for 50 years after you're long gone. There's going to be people talking about you. Do you want them to remember you as the person who was, you know, for lack of better verbiage, was, you know, not the greatest person in the world? Somebody who is very difficult to get along with, always could point out the problem, could never point out the solution. And those are the people you find for leadership, the ones that don't just say there's a problem, but they go, you know what, what if we tried this? Those are your those are your leaders right there. The people that can point out the problem, they don't know enough to be a leader, I don't think. So the, what we did is we began to really preach vision, uh, you know, identity and message. And these days I've turned that into the seven elements of fire system survival, uh, vision, identity, community, which is heavily missing in the, the fire rescue and first responder world. And, and even in, in our world at large, community, you know, so if you think about it, vision sets the vision for where we want to go from where we are today. Identity is who am I in that vision? And then community is we need to get together more because it used to be everybody to hang out the firehouse. Now they show up when there's a call if they are running from home. And if they're there, they barely talk to each other because they're they're talking to you like this, Mike, you know, got their phone in their face. But if we get back to community, what does that do? It now builds on the fourth word, which is trust. We can begin to trust each other again and know that when somebody does have a conflict with us, that maybe they're not coming at us from the worst possible scenario because they just hate us or they want to see us go under. They might be pointing out something that could completely change our life if we would give them some, some time a day and ponder what they're talking about. Doesn't mean we always agree with it, but maybe there's some truth there, right? And so that's vision, identity, community, trust. And then it comes back to what is your role? What is your impact? And then again, that story, your credit report in the fire service. 
how do you want to be remembered? And so, you know, I did this for two years and, and it was so funny because the first couple months I had no idea what Robert's rules are. If you've ever, you know, been, uh, you know, been a leader, I've been on boards before, but I never had to be the presiding member and things. Uh, and I was not the greatest at it. And I would be openly mocked. I mean, openly mocked in the room, like you're an idiot, you know, and people saying things that, you know, you probably want your kids to hear. And um, those same people less than a year later, the best meeting we ever had after a meeting, I remember people were there 45 minutes after, and they were actually laughing and talking with each other. Now, that doesn't mean we had a bonfire going with marshmallows. <laughs> Challenges still remain. But gosh, we do not give ourselves enough credit that we're better people than we think. We always judge ourselves by our intentions. Oh, I meant to do that. It's okay. You know, I meant I meant to do this. I meant to do that. I should have done that. But boy, don't we judge everybody else by their actions. Not We don't give them the grace of what they wanted to do. And maybe they failed in that. We go, you just didn't do that. But me, oh, I didn't do either. But I know why I didn't do it, you know? So there's a double standard going on. And I just really believe at the end of the day, Gosh, you know, I've said this to some folks in different stations, you know, overnight, and this is the same in our own family, right? Overnight, if we were to come together, it's possible, although by and large not probable in the first go around, but you know what? It's actually possible that all the major problems could go away overnight, which I think is silly to even say that, but at the same time, I believe it. And here's why. The problems are not the problem. It's the people in, in these situations that have to work together. If you're in loggerheads and it's this, hey, you ever going to get anywhere? You're not. You know you would go on a fire ground doing that, right? And so we come together, we, we understand that we rise together, and that we put servant leadership in full view. And, you know, I, Mike, I don't know. I mean, I know you and I worked, you know, in media and at the same station for a couple of years. Um, but, it, but it's one of these things where, you know, people want to be remembered as the hero, right? It's like, I want to be the hero. They finally get promoted. I've got the brass badge on. I'm going to hide behind that. I'm not going to tell you why I'm doing anything. You just leave me alone. I'm going to, right? You're not going to be remembered as anything but somebody who was a pretty lousy leader. You build somebody else up. You come along behind them. And when the credit's there, you don't really, hey, it's me. You don't have to do that because a real hero knows that they are going to be recognized in the legacy of life, not just in the moment of life. And so when you build other people up, you, 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 you're the one maybe that breaks the door when someone doesn't want to talk to you. I know one firehouse in North Carolina where the, the fire chief will not talk to the president because they think both of them are in leadership and there's a little bit of dynamic there. And, you know, and so it's like, how do you, how do you expect to make the community safer that way? Right. Everybody seems to forget, Mike, in the firehouse, it's a circle, becomes a social club. And one of the first things I did when I became president in June of that year, four months in, I held one of our meetings in the bays with all the noise, all the miniatures going off, all the, the codes going down, the CAD dropping calls, smell of diesel fumes. And I had tables right in the middle of all of this. And we did our meeting there for one reason, was to remind everybody that we had at that time that we were not a social club. That when people call 911, they would rather call their grandmother than call 911. And when they call us, they're not calling 911, they're calling you and they're calling me. And I wanted people to really understand that because we forget, we, we get in, into these casual routines of demise that just, the, the, they, they really, it's, it's almost like a slow acting poison. We don't see what's happening, but yet little by little we go down and all of a sudden we begin to blame, that's the volunteers are not around. Yeah, the volunteers aren't around, 
But I can tell you what, if they were around by the thousands, they're not going to put up with the drama in your firehouse for more than three or four weeks before they leave. Your problem is a problem, whether that's the problem or not. Right. And so but um, but but I think, you know, all these things contribute to a much greater problem. And that's what this training called the SOS Save Our Station series is uh, going to attempt to resolve. And I believe that great conversations that are sobering without judgment, I'm not pointing fingers, but we've got to call these things out. We've got to begin talking about them and deciding at a table. Everybody's got their hand in. Yeah, we, we want to do this or we don't. Because for some stations, it would probably be better for you to decide to close while you've got the ability to save your face without disgrace, then go forward and find out that somehow someone's shutting you down for you. And so, you know, I, I totally believe in this project, uh, but for me, the last thing I'll say about it is I really want your help. If you're a first responder, if you're a support member in a fire station or a fire system, if you're in industry within the fire industry, if you're in law enforcement, it doesn't matter to me. If you're a chaplain, I really want to hear what you think about what I've got out there. I've got a 20 minute preview with some other modules that are very simple just to give some ideas. I've got a survey at the end of it that takes less than five minutes to fill out. And it would mean everything to me to have your input on the value and need of what we're trying to do here because I'm in the sponsorship phase and I want to use that to build the production funding to build not just a training series, but I'd like to build a movement. And uh, and I, I really, by the way, Mike, really appreciate you letting me speak to this because you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about it. <laughs> yes, you are, which actually brings me to uh, a point I was thinking of is, you know, with me, I've been in uh, media business a long time, and that gives me the ability to get these messages out for you. How is it, you know, using those skills to amplify your passion? Well, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at that. You know, I have to have to say, you know, I'm uh, you know, I I I feel like that that should not be a problem. But I'll tell you what, I feel like I'm feeling a little bit in some ways. I don't know if I would call it a roadblock, but what do we see on social media, on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and everywhere else? Every time you're flipping, one out of every three things you're looking at is some guy with his arms folded, going, you know, I've got the blueprint for you, right? <laughs> and what's happening is, I believe that 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 the time of day is not being given to really absorb any of these things, or you look at it and go, that's just somebody else. Right. Well, one of the things I think is of great value is that there's a, there is a, there's a saying I love that says there's wisdom in the abundance of great counsel. Right. And so um, I just want people to just give it the time of day and decide for themselves whether or not there's value there. But uh, in terms of what we're doing, you know, I want to launch, I've got a, a plethora of ideas I want to do after a launch but I want to launch a video podcast. I want to be doing interviews just like we're doing with you. I've got a, a wonderful network of, of very noted folks in the fire rescue world. And, you know, I'm not the expert here, but I'm a facilitator. And I know what I've seen being on the, the fly on the wall in so many places, the same exact problems exist, even though the fingerprint changes on the firehouse. And it's it comes back to people aren't being respected. They're not being recognized. You know, they're not even being thanked for their service. And that was something I went overboard to tell people, thank you for being here. And I appreciate it. And sometimes it was hard to say it to people that I knew weren't really, you know, you say one foot in, one foot out. This was like the small toe on the left foot, you know, they'd be in a little bit. But but you know what? They were giving. And I and I decided that instead of me being the one who in that year I put in a couple 300 hours or more, I don't know, it could be 400, um, that regardless of whether that was my effort and somebody was doing 30, I needed that person and they were just as equal as I was because we were both trying to contribute what we thought was best. Right. 
And people never, I think, never pull back because um, of, of reasons that are like, you know, um, nefarious and things like that. When people don't have a vision for where they fit or an identity for where they fit into the vision you're trying to cast, they're going to pull back because people have to know their why. You know, I love Simon Sinek is one of the, the few people that I listen to in the motivational space. Uh, he wrote the book, Start With Why, and you have to understand your why. You know, I, I, I tell folks, even in this training, I use this example. If you were to say to your, your kid when they came in from school and they got their backpack on, they shut the door and you go, hey, go to your room. And they look at you like, what are you talking about? Go to your room. And you do this a couple of times and all of a sudden they're slopping up the stairs. It's 15 minutes a step. The backpack's on them and all of a sudden they take it off and they swirl it and hit the cat with it. Another 15 minutes goes by and then you hear the slam where they go in the room. Same exact scenario. Kid comes through the door wearing the backpack and you go, hey, go to your room. Why? Go to your room. I got you an Xbox. All of a sudden, these steps begin to go every four, every five, every six. The backpack, instead of the cat, now is being thrown at the door to open up that door into the room. And man, they're like, I got it. There's a why there, right? And, and I think that's really important because in the volunteer system, unlike other areas of life with military or vocation, um, the volunteer is a very different animal. You cannot come in and decide you're going to manhandle the organization the way you would if you were in the military or some other type of a strong organization. Volunteers are led with persuasion, very much the same as it is in, if you look at the, the, the worship community and churches and things, people have to understand the greater why, they have to understand their place in that greater why, where they can serve, feel value in being served, hear and being recognized that we thank them for being served as a leader, because as a leader, that's what you do, you care for your people. Yeah. And now everybody says, gosh, I got some ownership in this. We can do this. And, and Mike, I got to tell you, you know, the people in Round Hill were great people the entire time. Very, very, um, uh, I don't want to say irritated, but, but they, they were very much at odds with each other over petty things. But see, the petty things become petty, just like in a relationship with a husband and wife, when the bigger things aren't being dealt with, right? It's when, the, when, when you know, the, the wife is, you know, saying something like, you know, um, or the husband's saying like, well, honey, what is it? Is it this little thing here? Yeah, yeah, that's it, right? But we all know it's not. It's something that's backstream a couple times, right? And so I think all of this relational dynamics, the human relation dynamics of the fire system are absolutely important to the health and survival of your firehouse. And this does not by any, by, by, Mike, any, by any means mean that when you sign up, you need to be cuddled and it's all about feeling. You know, I've been told of Dr. Phil, let's get soft and cuddly. Look, you signed up to serve the community, to serve the people and I'm going to be a little graphic, but the people laying in the road on a rainy night with a car that they were in about 50, 75 feet from them, that's what you signed up for. Even if you're a support member, you're there to help them in that moment. That duty plays all the way through. If you're a, a, a member and you've got a leader telling you something to do, you do that. That's not what I'm talking about. Those are tactical and operational uh, and structural ways of dealing with people. But when the why is built in, when people feel like they're part of an army and part of a movement rather than feeling isolated and dark and not sure if they need to call 988, we begin to see things happen in a terrific and an amazing way. And, and, and it worked where we were because people, I really believe at the end of the day, wanted to feel like they were being valued for what they had given and the giving had gone way down because, again, when things look like they're in trouble and nothing's being resolved, we start stepping away. Yeah. We have what we call silent resignation. People don't know that they've quit, but they have. And, and so there's so much we can do in this area of human relationships 
that is really important. It's stuff that you can take with you, not just in the firehouse, but with any part of your life. And it's hard. It, you know, challenges remain. Even in my station, big challenges remain. But you know what? We survived. And I'm thankful that we we're able to do that. And we, we, as we grew, we got more great people. And we went from, I think, 18 people. So I remember it being about 45 people when I left in 2018 out of leadership. I'm still a member there. Uh, and um, it's it just um, it's just one of these things where I really feel like that this training, uh, and I hate calling it training because I'm not trying to educate people to make them do a certain thing. I want them to wake up in the conversation and for themselves, everybody around the table knows what the right answer is. You got to lay down yourself, lay down what you want, put the best foot forward for the people.